Greetings and welcome back to episode number 91 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. We have past client, marketing, SEO, and brand expert, Emma Peacock of Honeypot Digital calling into the podcast today. And we have a great conversation about marketing and about scaling, also about running your business when you have ADHD. Emma's really fun to talk to, and she's so insightful about the branding and marketing space that I think you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. Don't forget to throw her a follow at Honeypot Digital. She's got so much experience and so much knowledge to share. Um, I know you're really going to enjoy the episode. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. So enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have past client Emma on the pod today. Hi, Emma. Hello, how are ya? Oh my goodness, halfway across the world too. Where? What city are you in specifically? Uh, it's pronounced Whangarei. Uh, so I'm in like the Northland part, so I'm at the top of the country. Okay. So fun. it's, you know, not snowing in winter, humid in summer. And for people that don't know your accent and what country, remind oh, yeah, them. New Zealand. New I'm Zealand, New of Zealand. course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, of yeah. course. So again, for people who maybe don't know you, haven't heard of your business, Honeypot, um, yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and who you help? Of course. I'm Emma Peacock. I am the digital marketing strategist at Honeypot Digital. Uh, so we help businesses all across the world with their marketing. And we pro- we, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we approach it in a way where it's like holistic, sustainable, and data-driven. So we are wanting to be across a few platforms so that you're diversified. We're looking at what the data is telling us as to what people are enjoying. And then we're making it sustainable for the business, either the business owner or the team where you're not going to like burn out by doing your marketing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So digital marketing, lots of different presence across lots of different channels. We're going to get into talking about all of that. I'm a total marketing junkie myself, but take us back to before you started your business, like take us back to the beginning of your professional career and how you got from there to here. Cool. So I'll start like way back at university. I originally started studying event management um, and the degree was not really what I expected. We didn't plan a real event the whole time that I was at university. It was all theoretical. And I was like, I'm not learning anything because if, you know, I forgot the first aid kit, it's like a demerit or whatever. It's not Mm -hmm. like, you know, someone actually bled. Um, I was like, this isn't very practical. And so I picked up marketing as like something I could pick up to make the degree worth it. Cause I was already halfway through at this point and I was like, I don't want to stop. Um, and then that ended up being the best thing ever because I was already interested in like what social media was at that point, And like e-commerce was starting to become like normal, especially over here. Like obviously with shipping and everything, we're a little bit behind in that kind of sense. And so then I've never worked an event since other than like random holiday gigs. So it's ended up being really perfect because unlike many of my friends who don't use their degree, I still use mine. Um, Mm -hmm. And so from there, it was like trying to get a job that was relevant 
where I could like dip my toe into marketing and then kind of like make a case for more marketing. So I started that out as the, like even in my holiday job, I started doing that. I was like, I can run the Facebook and the email and stuff. And then my next job after that was like e-commerce. And that was when I like thrived. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that is actually this week I've been diagnosed with ADHD, but what I didn't know at the time was that these jobs were like piling on the work on me and I was thriving because obviously I had so many deadlines to meet. It was just so easy. Um, I was naturally accustomed to it and didn't know it. Um, Interesting. Yeah, super weird, but amazing perk. Apparently it's my super, my, if I was a superhero, that would be my thing. Yeah, I just watched a TikTok about this where it starts with this girl being like, struggled with productivity my whole life, got diagnosed with ADHD, created an entire progress tracker for every aspect of my life, basically fixed myself. And I was like, well, that's yeah. crazy that like it takes just that brain organization. And I think most creatives have that kind of yeah. to a sense of like, of of I can crush the work so long as I know what the work is and where it, exactly. where it lives. Yeah. And I think that's where the systems and processes come into play. Yeah. I'm definitely, yeah. I resonate with that completely. Yeah. And also the thing that I've learned is like all the systems and processes and everything that I've put in place to kind of like keep on top of everything, because I'm naturally a little bit more like a pinball machine, actually help people who don't have neurodivergences. Mm-hmm. Like obviously it works for everyone. It's just like gives a little um, extra percentage of like, taxing brain relief by having those systems for me personally totally totally yeah so I kind of want to go back to all of my past bosses and be like oh, oh yeah. so you liked me working for you just hire someone with ADHD like I think that's yeah. the that's the interesting difference. <laughs> yeah no we talked about it um on the podcast with Anne-Marie Rose who th- that episode just came out before this one airs and and we talked about it as like when you're that person that sees like a bunch of playing cards on the table, my brain is going to already start putting those into piles, like whether they're by suit or by number or whatever, like my brain like sees all that chaos and I just want to create order. And to somebody else, they could be totally fine with just like a bunch of cards on the table. Oh, for sure. And that's why I think sometimes like I'm drawn to things like astrology, but it's like my Mm. moons and suns and everything can only say so much about who I am as a person because then my, you know, trauma or whatever comes into it and my, how my brain works and am I a creative or am I more like, I don't know, corporate or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, am I a numbers person? Like that still impacts so much about who you are as a person, but yeah. Or it affirms it or it becomes like self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. So it's like, I don't know, all that stuff. I feel like it like defines who you are until you're like a few years old. And then from there, it's just like, which is how everyone who's like twins can be so different. It's like true lived different lives. Like, you know, so yeah. True. Oh my goodness. This is fascinating. And we're definitely going to circle back around to this, but let's, let's go two days since I got diagnosed. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sure you're just in like an absolute rabbit hole of information. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So then like from those jobs. Right. You're going through all these different jobs. You have all these different bosses that are trying to, you know. Yes. And like, I've only ever been in a job at most for two years, even if I've been like promoted multiple times in that time period. um, I'm still generally like onto the next thing within a couple of years, which like 
I don't know, it might be just a generational thing, but it's kind of just like how, how I am. But also like what would happen in jobs is I would end up being in charge of far much more than my job description ever was. And it would kind of get to a breaking point where I was like, I'm not getting paid to do this job. So I'm going to move on to the next thing, like moving on to the next job to get a pay rise, essentially. So that happened a couple of times. And then I saw this like hole in the market. So I was working in this company that was like super random, but we sent out sampling like items to sample and boxes to people at home and they would fill out surveys. And then Mm. I was in charge of the whole like database and all the social media components. So we didn't actually sell the social media component to clients as like a thing that put the price up, but it was definitely like an integral part. And so what we would do is people would try the product and we would have them take photos of the product um, to like go into the draw to win prizes and whatever. And it was funny, the things that I was able to bring in, like, Initially, we were just putting a pack shot. Like, you know, if you're browsing on the supermarket website, that's the photo that we were originally using to promote the product of Mm -hmm. like be in to win XYZ, like post your picture. And so obviously all the pictures we got from people were like just another version of that. And so then when I started talking to brands and being like, no, we need to do like, I was calling it lifestyle photography at that point, which is now just like what brand photography is, Uh um, of like getting them to have these, um, products in a setting like how Mm -hmm. do we want people to show these things off because the whole point of like the budget essentially was to get sample data like um almost like focus group data and I was like even if we can't necessarily quantify how this turns into sales from like a marketing standpoint at least these brand managers can get like okay this pumpkin bread was a little too sweet so people were turning it into french toast instead of turning it into like a reuben sandwich um sure at least they were getting that data but like even when my boss was like should we maybe charge for this is this something we should be charging for is extra and I was like it could go away at any moment and because we're selling like six months in advance I was like Maybe not, but obviously it's up to you. And so one specific example happened where um, we had a product and I told them they needed to do this brand photography and they had their agency do it for them. And when they sent me the photo, the product wasn't in the photo. It was just like, I'd been like, how about, it was like panty liners or something. And it was like, um, I was like, put it in a handbag shot. And then you can have like the lipstick and the whatever in the handbag, but you can tailor that to whoever the target audience is. So it could be like a chapstick versus a, you know, Charlotte Tilbury lipstick would obviously bring out about a different brand. And unfortunately, yeah, they just didn't even put the product in the photo. And then when we got the end result back, they just Photoshopped the product into the photo that they'd (gasps) taken. And they spent like a thousand dollars to get this photo taken. And I was like, we could have, I could have Photoshopped. It wasn't even a good Photoshop job. I could have Photoshopped this image in. And then it was like, I started getting a little bit more information from these brand managers of like how we could help them from the standpoint of the business I worked in. But what I was learning was like, they were kind of being taken advantage of by all these other businesses. And to a point, it was kind of like the brands we were working with were like the parent company is the kind of product where like, it's like a third of the supermarket. So it's not exactly like they don't have the budget, but the thing that came to mind for me was like, okay, but what are small businesses doing? If they don't have this budget, are they being forced to like go to these agencies and also being taken advantage of? But like, higher stakes or are they like struggling to DIY it because they're just limping along with what they got yeah (laughs) yeah 
And so like yeah. from that point, um, that was the job I then like left to move home to my hometown and then um, work part-time in the business. And so that was kind of where I started. The business was kind of from that concept of like these people were getting ripped off. And I was like, if anything, I can either like educate business owners, I can do things for them, or I could work on strategies. And from then it was kind of like I would come with this quite broad pitch. And then depending on what they wanted from me, I would decide what my service was. And then over the years, I've kind of just refined what that was um taking those learnings from those part-time jobs and integrated it and then like you know the red flags and stuff that clients have done in the past maybe changed some things of how I offer my service but that's kind of how I've refined what I offer now and then also like what do I enjoy Mm -hmm. what do Mm -hmm. I enjoy doing and so ultimately what it's ended up being is that like strategy is the thing that I will never delegate or get rid of right and so Lately in the last six months, I've kind of pivoted from it being like done for you service is the flagship to strategy is the flagship. So like that is delivered in some ways. And then we still have the done for you services and then also the educational part. So walk us up your whole chain of offerings. Walk us up. So shall I start at like lowest budget? Yeah, I like to think lowest budget, most accessible to highest budget, like most intense way that you work with someone. So walk us all the way up the ladder. Yeah, so um, we start off, I have like free workshops that people can take and freebies they can download just by getting on my email list. And then if you're listening to this in the future, I may have changed those into like $5, $10. Because <laughs> um, there's right. a point of like people value what they pay for. And so as much as it's like a workshop replay, it's like, I don't want you to download it and then not watch it and not put it into action. Um, so there's those options as well, although I'd always like to run free stuff like that. It's so good of like a good way of people figuring out if you know what you're talking about basically um and like the blog and all of that kind of stuff is all free too and then uh above that i've got the content prompt deck which is a product that helps you kind of like get over the overwhelm of Mm. sitting down to an empty content calendar and being like what do i even talk about um and so from there it's above that there's a course where you can learn a little bit more that's like the flagship course um, that's like, you know, the three digit price point kind of a, kind of a placement. Um, and then from there, there's, you can hire me for like a strategy day, which is like just the strategy. And then after that, you're kind of on your own or figuring it out on your own, the true like DIY, but with a little bit of strategy to go off. And then there's options of like, you can hire me for accountability calls and stuff. So we have like launch coaching, which is based around a strategy day, but then accountability and calls with me if you're doing a launch, like a course launch or whatever. And then the 12 month coaching option. So like we do the strategy day that's more broad and then go into 12 months of coaching with accountability throughout, which is like, you know, very handy when Instagram changes what they're going to do three months in. Because mm-hmm. um, as much as I try to prepare people in that strategy day for like these mm-hmm. are the ways that you can change stuff, doesn't always, you know, quite translate, especially if you're not, if it's not your bread and butter, which is obviously my clients. Um, and then from there, it's like, if you want to just delegate the service to me, we do that as well. So of across course, all kinds of, of different marketing. Yeah. 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 And, and we had to find a way to encapsulate all of that into oh, your branding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was our challenge. So we got, we got yeah. connected a few years ago now and created your branding for Honeypot Digital, of course. What's happened since the rebrand? Like, how have you been able to take all those assets we created and then apply them in your business? 
So initially, the I think my brief to you was something like it needs to be adaptable for if I just like change my mind, <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. like kind of happened, but not really. Like I still, a lot of my clients would probably look at it and be like, you haven't really changed what you offer. But the way that I explain it is so different. And so therefore branding is a very big part of that. Um, so it is honey themed because A, it's in the name, but also that's where the name came from is my um, great grandfather was a beekeeper and that's been handed on through generations, but just not through my line. Um, so I have a, you know, a second cousin that does it now. So mm-hmm. there's like a beekeeping element in there. And the biggest feedback I got was about warmth, which was like so important at the time, you know, like, and still is, but it was the biggest thing was like, I just want it to come across as like, almost like cozy in a way of Mm -hmm. like, because the whole point is that it's making it like accessible and understandable. And, you know, if it was cold and rigid, it's like, that's not what the service is like. Or flashy and in your face, that's not oh, yeah. the way that you operate, right? So <laughs> when, we're, when we're looking at branding, you have the opportunity to, you know, swim in the same stream as everyone that's in your space or like take a different path. So I think mm. in some of our earlier conversations, you had brought up this idea and I said, I love that idea of bringing like warmth and craft and and kind of like a, a really old school quality to the branding mm. because it allows you to stand out in a space that is very flashy, very quick, very like turnkey, very like there is a look. There's like when you think marketers, you're thinking like what comes to mind is like a big megaphone and like a gradient and like this <laughs> bright red and like super intense and lightning bolts. And and I think that that, that although that works for some people, it's not mm. doesn't work for everybody. It can be really kind of off-putting or it can feel like a lot of fluff or a lot of just unnecessary bullshit. And I think with your branding, because you wanted to embrace that and you're like, this is the way I want my clients to feel, we could lead with that. And I think that yeah. was actually a really a cool way to kind of disrupt the space. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so I have the logo on my car. So I still Oh my gosh, I love that. Good. Yeah, that's perfect. And I've also had someone like a family friend who had no idea I even had a business. And then I like pulled up at my parents' house and they were like, so is that in reference to the honey in the family? And I was like, (laughs) you got it. I was like, that is perfect. I'm so glad that came across. But also then I've had people who are like, do you sell honey online? I'm like, no. You know, that's that's the thing. If you can kind of, yeah. I think, but if we think of honey and we think of the beehive and we think of buzz, right? Creating marketing yes. buzz. That was one of our our uh, taglines there for a while. Then all of that still fits. And I love the idea of using analogies in your work to better explain, you know, these concepts that to a small business owner are abstract or they are hard to like mm-hmm. fully grasp if you don't do it every day. Do you find that you lean on a lot of that terminology when you're explaining things? Yeah, for sure. And then also it's like then when I have the brand photography and then the website's there and then all the different other graphics and pieces that bring it all together as like a fuller brand and presence, it tells the rest of the story. But if the initial impact of seeing the logo and like those kind of elements are exactly correct, then I can explain the service or the whatever separately. But at least they're on the right foot of like warmth and cozy and okay this isn't going to make me feel like ugh. and like am I being Mm -hmm. nickel and dimed on every single invoice and like those kind of things and it sounds like it was then the antithesis of your agency experience 
where people were kind of getting, you know, the wool pulled over their eyes and they were kind of being led on this whole path of services they didn't understand or didn't think that they needed. And, and that whole bit, you can eliminate a lot of that in the way that you present your services and present your strategy, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, speaking of strategy, as a marketing strategist, I get a lot of questions for through my channels about should I be on every platform or should I focus on one platform and platform I'm using loosely platform modality being, um, you know, obviously the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, da, 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 LinkedIn, Pinterest, whatever. Then you also have your website and then you also have, you know, portfolio sites and then you also have your networking in person. So there's blogs, marketing, email, everything. So people ask like, do I have to do all the things or should I just get really good at one thing before I do the other things? What is your best recommendation for that question? I think the first thing people have to understand is how much time do they actually have? Because if you're actually running the business, how much time are you going to have to spend, you know, marketing the business? And so it's like, are you the marketing manager of this brand? And therefore, like, that's your whole job. Or are you like the CEO and you're doing it um, as well as doing everything else in your day? And then also, okay, how much time is it going to take me to document and then share? Like, can you just, like you do, go live Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is the content and sometimes the content is an edited version of that or whatever, like a repurpose, but what ways can you like shortcut it? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, which ways do you like doing stuff as well? Because if you're not a writer, the idea that you would have to write a blog every week is not going to come easy to you. Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. there's those things as well and like are you great on camera are you not great on camera are you maybe a little rusty on camera so you'll like you'll get better at it or is it something that like literally puts you in a panic attack like there's levels to which like should I or shouldn't I do these things right and then it's just like letting yourself off the hook a little bit of like where can I start And then maybe in three years, I'm great at all of these things. Or what's manageable for me now? What's the data showing me now? Where are my leads coming from right now? And I've had to let myself off the hook, like you're saying, in a similar way of like, I haven't blogged since last year. But blogging Mm -hmm. to me, I get the hang up of, well, if I'm going to blog, it has to have killer graphics. And if I'm going to make killer graphics, they better not look like anybody else's graphics. And (laughs) if I'm going to do all this, spend all this time on graphics, then I might as well also make that into like stories, decks and reels and all these other things. And those things feel so much more casual to me than like actually writing out a blog. Exactly. Isn't that interesting how that like shakes out? Yeah, exactly. But there's also parts of marketing that are more like automated or permanent. And then there's the types of content that are like, For the four hours after you post that piece of content is when you're going to get the maximum like reach out of it. And so which build on each other and which like rely on you to be super consistent. So something like Pinterest, even you can use automation to loop content. So you can set that up and check in on it once every three months. Like it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not a day-to-day thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas like email marketing, you might send out a newsletter once a month. And then there's like, am I going to do four TikToks a day? Like, you know, I very much admire everything that Gary Vee does. And in so many contexts, posting four times a day on TikTok is exactly what that business needs. And in some cases, they're just not going to be able to do it. But that. also he owns a media conglomerate. He, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Yes, he owns yeah. a bajillion pieces of content a day, but he has an entire staff. Oh, yeah. But that's literally 
all that they do is repurpose yeah. this content. So we have to like let ourselves off the hook a little bit too. Cause sometimes I think these like megaliths of business owners, like we look at them when we regard them as like, Oh, I just need to do what they're doing. And then I can have their success. But it's like, there's so much work that's happening. Like the, the, the sheer volume of content there's it's that's not a one person job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like I think, I think team Gary V is like 10 people now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And just to tell a small business owner who is like struggling to make sales or like they're only, you know, they're selling their jewelry at a farmer's market and they're trying to get into e-commerce to tell them that they have to make 60 pieces of content a day. This is unheard of. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not a strategy. That's just like a, that's just like a quick tip. You know what I mean? So let's let's use that as an example, or maybe you have a client example. You can kind of walk us through workshop style where they had a struggle and you gave them a strategy and then they implemented on that strategy. And then you layer on more and more stuff to tackle. Yeah, of course. So it's like, there's also the balance of like good content versus Mm -hmm. volume of content. Like Mm -hmm. if you can put the time into one a week, then that's still better than none a week. And mm-hmm. so, like, there's also those shifts as well. Um, so it's all, in a way, a juggling act, but it's just, like, sitting down and going, okay, these are all of my options and which ones make the most sense for me right now, and then reviewing the data and coming back to it. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to be consistent on stories every day for the next month. And then maybe you um, have a health, something happens to your health, or, you know, you go on maternity leave or whatever and you come back after that thing and either the space has changed or you don't want to do it anymore or you just got bored with it or whatever you don't have to hold yourself to the same standards you did a week ago um just because something has always been done doesn't mean you need to do it Mm -hmm. again as well so it's like we've always done pinterest it's like okay but if you took your foot off the pedal for six months, what impact would that have? And so there's also that balance of like setting one thing up and then letting it work for you. So you might sit down and be like, okay, I want people to be really engaged on my email list. So I'm going to have a 10 email welcome sequence that works in the background that I maybe review once a year. And everyone who signs up to my email list goes through those 10 email process, which might take them two months to go through, but at least then they know everything about your business. And then after that point, they just get your newsletters. And so what you're working on once is that project of building up the welcome sequence. And then after that, you're just sitting down and doing the one email every month. And so then once the welcome sequence project is done, then you layer on, okay, I'm going to be great on reels. And my version of great is two a week. That's still a great addition. Um, And then moving to, okay, I'm blogging consistently on my own blog. And so I'm posting that to Pinterest and what have you, and I'm getting great traffic, but now I'm going to layer on being a guest blog on other people's blogs and I'm going to get traffic from them. So it's like same modality same you can use a lot of your same processes but you're just reaching out to places to put your content which does have to be unique so you've got to it is going to take that extra time but it's still going to gain more traffic because it is a new source and the best thing about this kind of content marketing is that the traffic becomes cumulative when you're layering all of these pieces on top of each other and especially using platforms like email or like pinterest where you're you're you can drive home the same message multiple times, right? 
that traffic is just going to snowball over time. So I think a lot of really, really new freelancers and really new business owners, they get really down on themselves because they're like, oh, it only I only have you know, this many people on my email list or I don't, I'm not getting reach or whatever. And they get really discouraged. Or to the flip side, they get a reel that takes... There is something so broken with reels, by the way. I posted oh, yeah. a reel last week. And within the first like eight minutes, it got like 11,000 views, which is amazing. But mm. I clicked on the people that had liked it. And I started looking through the accounts of the that have now seen and liked my Reels content. And I will tell you right now, 80% of them are fake accounts. I have never paid for a follower in my life. I have never like paid for likes anything, but there's some kind of hashtag I use or the audio or something, but the majority of the accounts were fake. And it pisses me off so bad because I'm like, I put effort into this content and now I have this metric and now I'm in the back of my head holding myself to all my content should perform this well. Now all of my stuff should get this many views. And realizing that the majority of the interactions with that content is someone who's never going to come to my website and fill out a contact form because it's not a real account. And that mental game, like it, to me, it's the kiss of death for Instagram. Like, yeah, it's just infuriating. And then also you're like, but then my followers didn't see it. My own actual followers who actually want to see the content, who like subscribe. Who've opted in. Right. Yeah. Right. It's so wild. And I think like the marketing channels, as we know it, are changing so drastically and so quickly. So how do you help kind of counsel your own clients through navigating, okay, we're going to play with this, but we're also going to put our hand in this cookie jar and this cookie jar and this cookie jar. So often the best way to approach it, I find, is like, what are we going to do that's going to be like, we're planting a seed that's going to actually grow fruit in six to 12 months. And which things are we going to do that are more like, short-term results. So balancing those things so that that way, generally the short-term results things are like social media and and things like that, which are also the platforms that change the most. So while we're getting some benefit from these factors, we're also working on these other factors that will pay off in the long-term so that that cumulative actually happens rather than hoping and praying that Instagram doesn't change the one thing that you rely on. Right. And if you're putting all your eggs in that basket and that basket starts to fall apart and now your eggs are dropping out of the basket, you're going to be scrambling to put your eggs in different baskets. And so it's always to your advantage to kind of diversify those, those potential leads, diversify your exposure, your reach, your channels, your content type, all of that. Yeah. And then it's also making sure that you're making content for the right person and also the right person in the right, like, context and that they're at the at the point where they're actually either ready to give you the money or ready to sign up for the email list or what have you because your followers might be people who are learning about what you offer but they aren't someone who's going to make a purchase within the next six months and so that person really should be on your email list because they're going to come back to you they're going to hear about you in the email list and then they'll come back when it's time to purchase but if it's a tiktok for example they would have to fully engage for an extended period of time to continue seeing your content so that at the right point they have the reminder to actually sign up. Um, And so you could at least have email marketing and TikTok. And the point of your TikTok is not that like every TikTok is about like sign up for my email list, but that at least you've got a call to action in the bio 
And so there's a way that you're able to move people from TikTok or a podcast or whichever into that other more, maybe more stable way of reaching out to people. And then that's how you diversify rather than it being like, I'm on YouTube shorts, Instagram reels and TikTok because essentially they're the same kind of viral vertical video. So are you really that diversified or have you just picked three different platforms? Like if you're repurposing the same content, maybe you're spending like, you know, 5% of the time that you would create unique content. So it's like, yes, you would definitely still post, but you wouldn't rely on that. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think like I hit a stride with TikTok really early, which was really lucky. Majority of my followers, but uh, whatever, 60K, whatever, majority of them came during 2020 because I had started my account in 2019. So that's a lot of the initial exposure. But now the clients that come to me that find me on TikTok, I've started asking them, like, how specifically did you find me through TikTok? It's like, well, I saw your video on my For You page. I followed you immediately. It's like, oh, that's good to know. And then once I followed you, I realized that you go live. And you go live a lot. Mm. I was like, yep. And I watched one of your lives where you designed a logo. And I heard you explain it and heard you work through it and watched your process and like heard you field questions and answer things for people and share all your resources and share about the podcast and the Facebook group and the email list and the website and that. And that's how I ended up on your contact form. The training, the workshop you guys have been asking for is here and it is available on my website. The Kiss My Gifts motion graphics training for graphic designers was a raging success when we hosted it back in March. And now you can catch the replay and start to teach yourself gifts in this 60 minute. Yes, 60 minutes, a whole hour, 60 minute training. You'll learn how to import your illustrator artwork into After Effects, the basics of After Effects motion graphic animation, three to five, really it's closer to five step-by-step keyframe animations. I literally am showing you how I do these exactly for my clients and then how to export your animation as a gift sticker. We talk process, we talk pricing, we talk creating motion graphics that are really going to move the needle for your clients and create something totally brag worthy out of their assets. Don't forget, take advantage of it. The Kiss My Gifts training available on my website, also linked in today's show notes, or just go to mkwcreative.co and search GIFs, G-I-F. And yes, it's GIF. It's not GIF. I will die on that cross. It's so much more than just seeing that, that one piece of content because it actually puts a lot of distance between yourself and that potential client. When you're seeing like a, and I, I don't even mean polished. I just mean a piece of posted content versus like live content performs totally differently. What do you think? Well, especially because like a TikTok, especially right at the beginning, was like eight seconds. So, or like if you think about a Vine was six. Um, And so it's like the, even the compounding interest of following someone or doing a deep dive on their content and seeing like, I even saw something yesterday from like, you know, one of the kids that like their parents put all the funny stuff out about. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is funny is I thought there were multiple children in that family that she was posting videos of. And it was just one kid where she just posted like historical stuff because obviously Vine wasn't around for very long. So it was just like historical, funny home videos of this one child. And like she's still ingrained in my brain because of the compounding of all of those different posts Mm -hmm. even though obviously she didn't ever sell me on anything but the interaction like that parasocial relationship if you want to get technical of like Mm -hmm. having to know more than one fact about people 
to actually gain any kind of recognition rather than it just being like, and the thing is, I still don't know her name. So like I recognize her, but I still don't know her name. So even if I wanted to look her up, I still couldn't. So if you think about that as like the barrier that businesses have to get over, it's like, okay, but you have to have people, you've got to have the right content. You've got to have enough volume that the right people get in front of it. Then you've got to have like the perfect thing that you did was have your logo design in 60 seconds, but you had so many of them or brand design in mm-hmm. 60 seconds, mm-hmm. but you had so many of them that for me, that content was what like tipped me over the edge because I was like, yes, but all of these logos don't look the same. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like everything, cause a lot of, unfortunately a lot of branding people, what they will do is they will have a style. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is if you're like their hundredth brand, it can start to all mesh together. Um, and so then exclusive of seeing that logo, maybe the brands all could theoretically be the same company offering 10 different things. Um, and so like that was the thing that got across to me was it was like, I think you were up to like number 50 or something, you know, like yeah. there was a lot of them that I could go back through. And uh-huh. it wasn't because you like saw a trend and you jumped on a trend. No, you just were like, this is a great way to explain this. Uh, nobody's doing this. This is a great format. I'm already creating these presentations for my clients anyway. Let and me just was walk the through kicker. it in a really quick way. That was the kicker was like, I already had this content. I just had to go through the archives and I was using Google Drive at the time. I just had to go through my Google Drive and be like, okay, which one do I want to do today? And just like, but you know what it does is it's a case case study. It's a case study for here was the problem. Here was my solution. And, you know, here was the challenge. Here was the problem. Here was the solution. Challenge, take this business with this concept, with this ideal client, um, you know, problem, make it then beautiful and attractive and, and aesthetic. And then the solution was, was this. And it, it has in the title, it has the payoff. And we talk about that yeah. in content marketing a lot, right? It's about like a title and a hook with then a result. And when you can set up a short form piece of content like that, whether it's a blog, an email, a TikTok, like it's all like the basics marketing 101. It's not, we're not reinventing the wheel, right? But it's the consistency and it's the reliability of, okay, if I watch this type of video or I see this kind of setup, I know what I'm going to get. And I cringe yeah. when I go back to the old ones because I like recorded them with <laughs> all in one take, no tripod, hand shaky, like laptop in my bed. And I'm like, this is so unprofessional. So now, now at least I try to take the time to like set up a little bit of a scene. You know, I record it and then I'll use, actually use the voiceover to try to like speak specifically and intentionally without any filler words. But it's, uh, yeah, it's so funny to look back at some of those early videos. But I think there is an off the cuffness about TikTok that I really enjoy that makes it kind of yeah. fun. It doesn't have to, you don't have to feel so perfect. Yeah. But from memory, it also wasn't the first thing that you tried. Yeah. No, of course like, not. There were different no. things that you did and then you, you mm-hmm. tried and then that worked. But then it also wasn't the only thing you did. Like you weren't like right. a one-trick pony. So right. like there's also all of those factors. And so when you're trying to create a strategy, there are a lot of things to consider. But also if one thing kind of you know, go semi-viral, like follow yeah. that, figure out why people like that thing. Is it because it's a little more raw? Is it because, oh, I actually like, broke down the you know the why of this thing or is it because it was more relatable or whatever um and then how can you do more of that because even you know the biggest content creators in the world have evolved over time 
because they themselves as a human have evolved. And so even if they were like all the content is about them as a person and like, you know, like the Emma Chamberlains of the world who will literally have like, what was it? Like you caught me making pasta or something. Yeah. And it's like the amount of connection that she can create in just like a general life thing. If she turned around one day and like just like randomly did a, you know, even a marketing podcast, like a certain amount of people would be interested in that, sure. Yeah. But like yeah. it's maybe not on brand. So there, no. there is like a limit as to the number of things that you can do. Yes. But there's also not like one way and then if that didn't work, it's like, oh, like, you know, whatever. I also well, find that people will often, yeah, people will often be like, oh, social media doesn't work for us. And I'm like, okay, let's look at that because there are so many different platforms. Like maybe TikTok isn't right for your brand, but maybe LinkedIn is. And then also you can't post once every three months and then say it's not working for you because that's not that's not how the math doesn't add up. Uh-uh. And then there's things of like, okay, but you just, you know, you can't just have every post be a sales pitch or whatever. So there's just like you've got to try things a few different ways before you write something off. Yeah. But also not putting too much pressure on yourself so that you're not like, but I have to get everything perfect at all times and I have to be doing everything because that's just not realistic. I want to loop back to what you said about how the influencer strategy and the business marketing strategy have similarities, but in my mind, they are still different, right? So when I I think of my content, my TikTok is never going to have 75 million followers. Like I'm not looking for that because I don't need that. I need the people that want my services and want to use my business to see my stuff. And logo design, although interesting, I think, does not have universal appeal the way that somebody (laughs) making their morning coffee does. Like Emma Chamberlain, you know, going thrift shopping does. Like that has a more universal appeal. So it's not that much of a surprise that it has that kind of visibility. Same with my Mm -hmm. sister, right? Wedding planner. She posts a video and she loves to just like get the TikTok people, just get their panties all in a bunch. Like that is her favorite thing to do. It's just like, subtly piss people off on TikTok. So she had posted a video with a clip of Lake Tahoe and say, with text over top that says, don't know why all the couples are sleeping on Lake Tahoe as a wedding destination. It's seriously so beautiful and one of the more affordable places to have your wedding. And the comments just like slayed her and they're like, oh, no one's sleeping on Tahoe and been, people have been having weddings here forever and all this stuff. And I don't know where you're living, but this is like, it is not cheap to have a wedding here and blah, blah, blah. And then my favorite one was like, was like, we don't want you in Tahoe. And she's like, um, too bad because my family lives there. So <laughs> yeah, so, like I'm already there. It's like, not a concept uh, of whether I'm coming. She goes, just everyone stay away from our beautiful lake because blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, well, I'm coming. This was the, was the message coming from a Californian please don't visit Tahoe. And she goes, but I'm from California. (laughs) And it was just so funny, but it's one of those videos. It's one of those prompts that has like, everyone knows what a wedding is, has been to a wedding, is married, knows someone who is married. So there is way more universal discourse about that topic. If you're a highly specialized expert, you cannot expect general public like to pull your grocery store and people to give a shit about what you do it's just not realistic if you went to a conference with a bunch of people that care about what you do now we're talking if you're going to the space where the people are 
now we're talking, right? So I yeah. think that there's there's like few phrases that pe- like clients will say uh, in about marketing that just like make your skin crawl. We're like, well, why don't you just make us some viral content? <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? you literally cannot. Like no. to a point you can manufacture it, but only the semi-viral, not the actual viral. And and the question I always follow up with is, what would be your goal of having a piece of viral content? Exactly. Right? And they're like, well, awareness. We want awareness. And I was like, well, why do you want awareness? Like, because we want more clients. Well, why don't we just focus on creating content that will get you more clients and skip this whole yeah. viral and awareness baloney, which is yeah. a vanity metric and not at all towards your client. And let's just get to the mission here. Do you yeah. have clients that say stuff like that? Like, are they, or do they kind of misunderstand yeah. the intricacies? Yes. And especially because if we're talking about something like, you know, jumping on a trend, mm-hmm. the thing is because you didn't create the trend you're only going to get a small amount of that traffic. Your only the people noise. who are like making the trend and like they're the person that gets duetted. They're the person whose audio is being put in the little, you know, scrolling little thing on TikTok. Only they get the credit for the trend. But they didn't necessarily know that was going to happen. But also oftentimes the thing about bre- like major reach is that oftentimes you can't monetize that. Mm -hmm. There has Mm -hmm. to be a 10-step process before it actually gets like to a sale. So that can be part of the strategy, but it can't be the strategy because oftentimes people are going to need to do a little bit more. Um, And then the other thing of like, A, how are we going to go from like boardroom setting of like talking about a trend? Like that trend is done in two days. Of course. So unless you're going to be like immediate action about it, and that's also a part of like why I have moved from um, just offering like the thing I talk about on social being the done for you services is that it's becoming more of a need for business owners to actually DIY their social media. And so therefore I need to give them the strategy and maybe some accountability so that they can do it themselves Because just with the nature of like turnaround times, they do need to do it themselves. And I can't be the face of 50 brands. So like, no, no. And that's kind of where my team and I are, we're trying to get a little bit more creative too, because we've got some projects where, I mean, I would die to like get the business owner in a studio for two days and just like ask them a million questions and then make that the content, but Mm -hmm. that's not accessible. So we're trying to play with like, okay, what are different voiceover generators that we could use? What are different mm-hmm. clips that we could, you know, ethically source from YouTube or, or stock images or things like that? Or how can we create text animations? Like how can we create video content that's not as reliant on the business owners to like hopefully take some of that off their plate, but it will never be a full one-to-one like swap out for that person, especially if you're a service-based business and you're the creative brains of the whole thing, you're the top of that food chain, it'll never fully replace that person giving their expertise on a regular basis. Exactly. And even sometimes like in these bigger businesses and maybe they are product-based, they've got a team of a few people. And so those few people on their team are the face. And so that way also, if someone does leave the company, they can be replaced with another face and therefore out of the five people, one left. So it's not like the whole brand like changed overnight or whatever. Right. Um, But that those people are on hand to make that content. Versus it being, you know, someone external or using stock videography or anything like that. And while you can create content, it is, it's a different game. Totally. 
Totally. But there's also the element of like the content creation I find or like the idea generation is one of the biggest hurdles for small business owners. Totally. And so even to take that example of your sister's content of Lake Tahoe, you then have that and then you can respond to those comments with things. And so while you might not want to have a back and forth about like, I am from California, you could still have the like talking about, you know, people being like, um, you know, well, they're pain points. All of these comments. Pick up on the environmental part. Yeah. Totally. They're all pain points. Yeah. But you could pick Every up on the environmental thing and negative. make a comment about that. Yeah. Like, okay, so we're not going to do like paper or plastic paper confetti. Sure. Anymore. Like these are the sure. ways you can make things more um, environmentally friendly. Or you could take it on the tangent of like maybe the reasons that people aren't thinking of this area so much is because of accommodation, travel sure. time ruralness or whatever depending on the location but you could also turn that one thing into the unexpected content because you don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of comments you're going to get but there's no reason why that like content train should stop just from that one piece totally and that you can also make the most of it too that's exactly it is like spur that like use those that commentary and to a certain degree like there's some levels of like when i mean if it's in violation in violation of community guidelines, like don't engage. But if it's something that's like could egg you on to go down a rabbit hole of content, like lean into it. Yeah. Definitely go for it. But be careful that you're still catering that towards the type of ideal client. So people will come in on my stuff. What shortcuts do you use to outline text? Me making illustrator tutorial videos does nothing for my ideal client. It serves the designer audience, which is great. It's eyeballs, but like designers aren't paying me to design their brands. So it doesn't make sense for me to make a bunch of content to not solve a pain point of the person that would actually help me pay my bills here. So yeah, keeping that exactly. in mind as well. And I think a lot yeah. of movies fall into that trap. Yeah. Junior designers can also look at it from a perspective of like, how am I getting this content? How is creating this kind of content going to get me in front of either my target audience or their creative designer friend who would maybe make the Mm -hmm. referral or um, whoever else is in their circle? Or is this only going to get me in front of other designers where I'm not at a point to educate them because I'm a junior in this context? You know, like I'm not going to be creating the challenges like you do. So therefore, other than like proving my expertise, what does this actually add to the scenario? And so totally. you could either have a different account that does all of that kind of stuff, or you could just skip it altogether. Yeah. And I, I go for the side of skip. Like I, people have asked me, you should make a course. You should a YouTube channel. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, guys, no, like that's, I'm, I love that you're interested. It's great. Awesome. But like, that's not where I, I don't really want to be a designer coach. So just because they ask doesn't mean you have to make it. Yeah, but there's also an element of like, how much are people willing to spend on that other tangent thing that's relevant? Like, because oftentimes is the comment actually something that that person could Google, but they're Mm -hmm. just commenting it because that's easier? Because once you put a price point on it, they'll start Googling. And so then it's also like, okay, but is, am I going to get, am I going to get more enjoyment out of one option that I have in front of me or am I going to make more money or whatever? So there's also those things of like, yeah, I could get more reach, but like, is it the right kind of reach? Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's say someone's listened all the way through this episode. They got to here (laughs) and they're like, this is all great about all this marketing. I've got this laundry list of stuff I have to do. But if they're still the person that you're, they don't know where the next client is coming from. 
And let's just say they're a designer and they're just getting started and they have their website up and they have some posts on social, but they are struggling to get a consistent pipeline of quality leads. What do you recommend? I would say, um, first of all, if it is that you're getting leads, but they're not the right customer, then there might be something you need to change about like your positioning or how you're explaining Mm. something or whatever. But if you're not getting the volume, it's about that right kind of reach, but also how are you engaging that person who is who you are seeing? Are they, is the content just likable or is it commentable or um, are you educating them in a way that you're positioning yourself as the expert um, and is the way that you're doing that for that right target audience, like just how we just spoke about junior designers. And there's a balance of, do I want to get that like reach or do I want to gain a connection with people? Mm -hmm. And oftentimes Mm -hmm. to actually get a sale, you're going to have to make some kind of connection. And then depending on which channel you choose to do that might also depend on how much like lead time you have in the bank account. Um, But if you've just, you know, like in a few months, you've noticed your leads have kind of dried up a little bit. And in a few months, you're going to have um, less clients than you do right now. It could be as simple as making sure that your clients are giving you reviews, making sure that you're then posting those in places. Um, If someone came to your either your social accounts or your website or anything like that, is there a piece of the puzzle that's missing? Or am I like turning people away in some way? And then another thing that is often skipped over is like, have you actually tested your book a call form to make sure it submits? Because sometimes it's as simple as that. That's the hell that I've been in for the whole summer is my freaking Dubsado systems are a mess and it's been cleaning up and figuring out, okay, why is this trigger not working? Why is this calendar not working? What? And that is so underrated. Auditing your systems and making sure that they function to their max capacity is so underrated. And it got to the point where I was almost like, forget it. I'm going back to Calendly. I'm having two kinds of appointments, 15 minute discovery call, hour long meeting. That's it. Everything else off the table. Like I was done. I was ready to throw my computer out the window. Um, I talked myself down from that ledge, but that (laughs) is such an integral part, right? And I've got clients that have done this too. You can have the best social media in the world. If your intake process is broken, Mm -hmm. it doesn't freaking matter. Exactly. Or if it's bad or if it's not responsive, like, and I actually just had this, this call with my team this morning is we sent out five proposals in the month of July and all five of them decided not to move forward. And I was like, guys, like, let's think about this critically here. Like, what are we doing? Where, where are people falling off? Because the feedback I'm getting is I'd love to work with you. I don't have the budget at this time. I'm still, you know, collecting information, but I'm going to come back around and that's great. But like, how do I ensure that for the longevity of my team, for the sustainability of my business, all those things, because we haven't really had that ever since I brought my team on in January, 2020. So we had a good group think about it and, and the team came up with some really good suggestions and they were like, well, maybe you can get them on the calendar for a six week check-in. Like no pressure. I just want to check in on you in six weeks and like brainstorm with you. Maybe we can send them a playlist of podcast episodes that they can binge in the meantime. Maybe we can, you know, invite them into the Facebook group and like let them intro them to other people that might be able to help business coaches, et cetera, et cetera. So we're kind of like group thinking again on like what that process could look like. 
But I wonder if any ideas come to you off the top of your off the top of the dome. There's another few things too of like how do your systems work not even in the like sales process, but all the systems True. in your actual delivery. Because people are more likely to give a referral if like the process was more seamless, obviously. Um they might still love the end result, but they're a little more jazz like the the shine comes off a little bit if they're like sure. having to chase something or whatever so there's also that but it's also like how are you preparing people in different ways like um some people have their pricing on their website and some people don't mm-hmm. so what can often happen is that people are like oh well i don't want to book a call to get the pricing or um it's a surprise when it's on the call and so right they sometimes maybe don't so our forward. pricing is um, listed is listed on the yeah, website. No, yours is. Yeah. Ours is like yeah. super clear. So I'm just, yeah. I'm a little bit stuck. Maybe this is like yeah. a soft question that I'm, I'm brainstorming with you. That's cool. I also had a conversation with someone earlier this morning of like they're going on maternity leave right. and they have put something on their website to say that like they're not taking on new clients. And so I was like, okay, are you going to do a wait list? Because right. I know right. like this time next year sounds like a long wait time, but what right. if people are going to your website to figure out what your pricing is, which also this person has their pricing on their website, just like you. And then you could maybe have a few emails that go out over the next year of like, these are the things that you need to have prepared to work with me um, True. and all that kind of stuff. So that when that wait list opens, they're actually ready to work with you and not just like, are now gonna have to get ready um so there's that too and then like you can't put people in like a past discovery call email sequence or whatever yeah 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 Yeah. but i wonder if too it's like there's also you also have to consider like economical factors in the world that's the other um yeah but it is a pet peeve of mine when people will like reference money as the reason that they didn't go ahead with something when they already knew what the price was right so i'm like tell me the real answer (laughs) like and it might still be the answer, but still. Right. That's where I have to give myself some grace because like the world is changing rapidly yes. and people's, I've never worked through a recession before. I mean, I started my business in 2014 and like the economy was great. <laughs> like things were going well. <laughs> and even during pandemic, like my business exploded because I was perfectly primed to not do anything but work. So like I, and as I've said in like the last few podcast episodes, it's like, I'm looking at 2020 and 2021 and I'm trying to compare it to 2022 and the the two are apples and oranges. Like the the world is different, people are busier, people are traveling again. Like there's not as many eyeballs that are spending time online. That's just the truth of it. And most people who are like, "Oh shoot, I better start a business so I don't have another option." aren't yes. feeling that way anymore because they're either going back to jobs or they're they've decided entrepreneurship is not for them and that's a whole a whole influence to this as well. So it's interesting. And, and, and what I come back to and what I kind of reminded my team of is like the best way to get to recruit new clients is really, really good retention. So like having the existing clients be really, really happy. And I think that was to your point of like making sure that that offboarding process is really clear and simple and making sure that those clients feel supported and that we're checking back in on them and we're making sure that they're being served because that's, that's a sale that's already been done. You know, like a bird, bird in the hands worth two in the bush, that kind of mm-hmm. feeling of like, we've got, we've got the one that's like, they know the quality of service you can provide. Um, and then hopefully that that branches to more, more referrals. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes too, it can be like, is it leads? Is it website traffic? Is it actual sales? Is it, um, that people like aren't hearing about you often enough, which I doubt would be the case with you. It wouldn't be the case with you. No, but, but I mean, like Instagram, just for like every other business. Yeah. With, with Instagram, I don't think people are seeing my stuff. To be honest, yeah. and same with TikTok, like the reach on TikTok now is drastically down what it was last year because there's way more creators now. There's more yeah. noise in that space. So it's like 
I don't like I can post a post on Instagram and of 13,000 people that have opted into seeing my content, it I got I posted something that got 9 likes. 9. And the reach was 40. And the thing about that too is like like my audience compared to the size of your audience. And it's like those are the numbers that I get. So like because also I have sometimes I have 40 feelings about the amount of content that I especially in the last six months that I've put out because I have completely redone my whole website and everything um and full disclosure I actually had originally built a different website and Mm -hmm. then um I was working with a developer and unfortunately the system it was being built on wasn't going to work for me and so it was like okay I'm going to put this on pause I paid them for all the invoices and everything and then was like I'm gonna have a look at this um please don't work on it anymore but I will come back to you if I choose to like go ahead with it, but I'm thinking this is going to be a problem because I was going to have to like use, I was going to have to code to make stuff look good on mobile and stuff like that. And I don't have the time or the expertise mm-hmm. for that. So instead for the past six months among client work, I've been building my website. And so then I haven't, I've come up, I've got so a long list of content, but then I didn't make the graphics because I was like, I'm not going to put this out right now. And Instagram is going to change the shape. So I won't make the graphics because it can't be bothered. And then like all of those things have been pushed. And then I'm looking at the numbers that I'm getting on the few things that I am posting and comparing it to other people. And I'm like, I don't actually think I'm any worse off no yeah which is sad and business is so like (laughs) exciting and frustrating in that way because like you can think you're doing all the right things and you're always going to find if you're an ambitious business owner and you like really want to be an entrepreneur for the rest of your life you will always find things that need help you will there exactly always be a laundry list of things that could be done better more and to that point it's like in that time i have been networking i have been talking to the same clients who have then bought more stuff or i've been like doing all the other charging your battery the other thing is like i didn't actually like i didn't need like there wasn't that need and if there was i would have done it because i already had the ideas um but it is unfortunate and that is the the case of like let's not rely on these platforms because at any point they might go away you're still allowed totally. to be frustrated when it stops working um, totally 100 because it is still like this used to work for me so well and i feel like i'm letting down these people that followed me or whatever but like the absolute need of like my actual business would die if I didn't have Instagram is actually a problem. <laughs> time to pivot. I mean, two years ago, everyone, you couldn't go anywhere. There was pivot, time to pivot, time to pivot, time to pivot. Yep. But then did we forget how to do that? I guess we're I just going to so. complain now. <laughs> yeah. But also it's like, I think a lot of, especially like new business owners who have come up in this TikTok is the first, like the wave of TikTok yep. is the first wave of social media they've ever been in. Right. And, um, I don't know about reach versus um, spam accounts on there, but you never know about like that is so different to the people who came up on Instagram where they did still need to rely because, you know, linking or um, Mm -hmm. the ways in which people converted, you still had to have something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with like now e-commerce is so big, we have so much more product out there Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which makes me a little sad for the garbage patch in the ocean but um otherwise (laughs) um like it's still like we we're able to fill so many needs and yet that means that other businesses don't have that like it's not a benefit for them and so what works for somebody else might not work for you what worked for you two weeks ago might not work for you right now and so there is like a resilience that comes and therefore you have to watch out for the signs of burnout as well unfortunately yeah, absolutely yeah. 
All right. Rapid fire questions. Cause we're already so over time, but I knew that was going to happen. Um, okay. Are you ready? Something you do sure. well and something you'd like to be better at. Uh, something I do well is having one-on-one conversations, but something I would like to be better at is having one-to-many conversations. Mm, I like that one. Like social. Uh-huh. If the internet didn't exist, what would you be doing instead? I think I would be like a PI or like a uh, like homicide detective for police because okay. I loved all that stuff. And like Veronica Mars when there you I was go. a teenager. There you go. And last one, where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you, use your services? I mean, take advantage of all your knowledge because you've got a lot. So the website is honeypotdigital.com, all one word, obviously. Uh, and on social media on all platforms, it's Honeypot Digital. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thanks for talking to us all the way across the world. How crazy is Thank that? Thank you huh? for having me. So oh my wonderful. Goodness. I love the internet. I know, right? <laughs> thanks, Emma. Talk soon. Bye, everyone. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.